Welcome to the A Plus EdTech Podcast. My name is Ashley McBride, and I'm an instructional technology facilitator from North Carolina. In this episode, we're going to talk about some internet security issues and things that you can teach your students and you can work on yourself to keep everyone safe. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because in the month of May, we've seen at least four different hacking issues that have gone mainstream, and they include Google, the WannaCry ransomware, uh, one login data breach, and then the DocuSign targeted malware campaign. I want to talk a little bit about each one and what happened, and then I want to talk about ways that you can keep yourself safe and ways that you can teach your students how to keep themselves safe. The first security issue that I want to talk to you about is malware, and we're going to start with the story about DocuSign. DocuSign is an internet company that allows individuals to have contracts signed through email. So what would happen, and this is used by a number of realtors and other companies, and you would be talking to a realtor. I'm just going to use that as an example. So you're about to buy a house or you're about to sell your house, and the realtor needs you to sign some documents. So what would happen is they would say, hey, I'm going to send you an email. Please sign these documents, and you can do a digital signature. So you'd get an email click on the link, and then you'd go in and you would sign an initial where you need to, and then that information would be sent back to the realtor. Now, on May 9th, there was a hack into DocuSign, and some hackers ended up stealing a customer list. When they stole this customer list, what they did was they emailed fake DocuSign documents out to former customers. And these customers, when they clicked on the link, it then installed malware into their computers. Now, the reason why I chose this one first is because malware is a very broad term. There are tons of types of malware. You can get Trojan horses, uh, spyware, computer worms, adware, ransomware. There's a whole list. If you go to my website, aplusedtech.com, I provide you a few different links, and one of them is a link that gets you to all of the definitions for all the different types of malware. This might be a great item for you to go and have students go and do some research on and then have discussions about the different types of uh, security issues that they might face as they work on the internet. Now, there were a couple of ways that customers could kind of determine that this was a fraudulent email whenever they got this DocuSign email. The first one is that they weren't expecting a document. It's not really all that common that you would just get a document to sign without having known that you were trying to be in the middle of something to sign. Like the example with the realtor. If your realtor tells you, hey, I'm going to send you something, then you're expecting it. So these items were sent and people weren't expecting them. The second way that they could tell there was something wrong was DocuSign was actually misspelled. This is something that's very common whenever you get emails that are not actually from the companies that you're expecting, that they say they're from. While we're talking about email attacks, another very popular one that popped up this past month was the Google email phishing attack. And what a phishing scheme does is they try to gather some of your information by having you click on a link within the email. So you or other people that you may have known 
would have gotten an email from somebody that you already know, somebody that you're used to getting emails from, and there was a link inside the email that said open in docs. And one thing that was different about this one was if you looked into the emails that were part of the sender box, you would notice that there was something really, really weird. And there was one that had two or three letters that were just strung across and it it didn't look right. Also, the docs button was not exactly the same, but it was being sent to you by somebody that you work with and you assume that it's okay, you click open doc and then it asked you for access to your information, to your Google information. And specifically it asked for information about your contacts because once you clicked on allow, just like you would if you had a Google add-on or if you were adding a Google extension, Then once you clicked that allow button, it went into your contacts and then sent the email back out to all of your contacts. So a lot of people got hit multiple times with this and it was an easy, easy slip up because honestly, how many times do we go in when we get an email from somebody? Do we go in and we look at all of the emails that are inside of that list and make sure everything looks right? As soon as people were hitting it, they were realizing, oh no, this isn't right. And all they really needed to do was go in and there was a app that would have been added to your apps list. So you can go into your settings and you can look at your apps and you can go and find the one that is not something that you wanted to add, and you can delete it. This is also good practice to go through your apps and make sure that you're deleting some of them. I know sometimes I'll go in and I'll look and I'll notice that I've signed up for a whole lot of stuff to be attached to my Google that I probably don't still want attached, so I'll go in and delete it. It's just good practice to go double-check that. It's also really good practice to go and double-check login Uh, locations. So this is something that I had happen to me a couple of times when I had Yahoo, I would get hacked and then people would get weird emails from me. So you can go in and to your settings and check your login locations and it would be all in North Carolina or wherever I had been at the time. And then randomly there'd be one over in Germany or one over in Sweden. And I know I wasn't there. If you're hit by any email attack, it's always good practice to go in and change your password too. You might also consider doing two-factor verification. This is something you can put in your settings. And two-factor verification just means that when you sign in, it also requires you to get a code from your phone or to log in using your phone. So that way you know your password and you also have access to your phone, which is two separate steps, which means that you are more likely going to be yourself. The next one I want to talk about is a ransomware attack called WannaCry. This is something that went global. It hit a number of hospitals, schools, and different businesses mainly. And ransomware is interesting because it's malware that locks up all of your files on your computer and won't allow you to access them anymore. 
When that happens, you get a little message on your computer that says you must pay this amount of money by this date in order to get all of your files back. Well, consider all the items that you keep saved onto your hard drive. And those are your family pictures, those are your uh, work documents, anything that you don't save to a cloud service, those would have been locked up. So if you're talking about a hospital or you're talking about a law office or you're looking at a lot of very important data and a lot of very important files, one way that you can fight ransomware is to make sure that you are always backed up. And this might be a hard backup, so you might have an external hard drive that you can uh, load all of your stuff back onto your computer. Or you could use a service like Carbonite.com. Carbonite.com will scan your computer when you get onto the internet, and it'll save your computer as is. And then if you want to go back to an older version, you get online and you can go back to an older version. So if you were to get a ransomware uh, problem on your computer, then you could easily go and wipe your computer clean and then go to Carbonite.com and reload your desktop. You could also use a number of cloud services. If you save most of your items in Google uh, Cloud or if you use uh, OneDrive, you could also use the uh, iCloud. So any of those services will also help. I usually try to make a practice of keeping both a hard copy at home on a external hard drive and then also keeping uh, some cloud copies going. Because you never know, even if you're never hit by ransomware, at some point in your life your computer is going to crash unless you make it a really good habit to uh, constantly be buying brand new computers and transferring all of your files. Finally, on May 30th, One Login, which is a company that uh, holds password lists for people and for companies themselves, uh, had a data breach and ended up leaking out their data. But what's worse is that those password lists that the hackers ended up getting were encrypted, but somehow the hackers got the passwords unencrypted. So They didn't do a very good job. The whole idea is to encrypt so that way um, anyone who were to steal the data couldn't read it, but these hackers were able to steal the data and be able to read it. So if you can imagine, if you keep your passwords on any digital device then uh, or a service like one login then that's something you need to be aware of is if if that gets stolen that's all of your passwords that you keep in there your bank accounts your emails your uh, all of those things so these are things to consider whenever you decide how you want to save your passwords now all of the stories that i just told you happened in the month of may And that's just one month of these things happening, and we know that these types of things happen all the time. I don't anticipate that these things are ever going to go away. Uh, As we start to learn ways to protect ourselves, the hackers are going to learn ways to continue to get through those barriers. The only thing that you can do is you can create a very hard-to-guess passwords. So I wouldn't use pets' names or your street address or uh, children's names or anything that people could just know about you just by looking you up on the Internet. 
And also you need to make sure that you have uppercase letters, lowercase letters, you have numbers and symbols. And a lot of times the things that are required for those passwords, whenever you go to change your password and you try multiple times and then it says, no, you need an uppercase letter. No, you need uh, a symbol. Um, those things are not normally enough. You're, you're going to need to make a good, hard, solid password, and you're going to need a couple of them because you don't want one password to be on every single one of your accounts. You could have different variations of that password, but if you have one password, say, on your email and someone hacks your email and gets your password, then they could hack into your bank account, into uh, any credit reports that you might have, anything else that you might have that password for. So that's something to be careful of. These four stories, along with information about how to make a good, strong password and other resources can be found on my website for you to look through and for you to work with uh, with students, whether you're doing it at if, it, if you're still in school and it's the very end of the year and you want to do this as a great end of the year activity something that the students can work on over the summer, or if you want to do this at the beginning of the school year next year as you're setting up those accounts for students to use, whether you're doing Edpuzzle or you're using uh, Google or you're using any other accounts that your students are going to have to sign up, we really need to be teaching our students how to be safe on the internet and how to try to keep themselves secure. In fact, in April... On April 13th, the Electronic Frontier Foundation sent out a report where they had done some research talking about, uh, it's entitled Spying on Students, School-Issued Devices, and Student Privacy. It's an interesting read. I've gone through it. I don't know uh, how much I feel their um, sample was representative of everybody, but When I was looking through it, they did make a lot of sense. We're giving students accounts younger and younger. I know my kindergarten son has a Google account. Now, whether he accesses or not, he really doesn't. His information is still out there. Our schools use uh, databases that information is out there. There have been schools, uh, databases that have been hacked and student information has been leaked. In fact, I don't think they even keep social security numbers in those databases anymore uh, just because of these types of issues. So that report is also linked on there and you can find that at EFF.org. This is a private company that has been working for 20 or 30 years on um, talking about internet safety and security and how much privacy we're losing by being on the internet. It's it's a good read, and I'd love to hear anyone else's thoughts who have read through this. I've been dying to have a conversation about this with somebody. So if you want to have a conversation with this uh, or about this with me, then please tweet me at A plus EdTech, or you can find me on Voxer, and we can actually have a, uh, an actual uh, voice conversation with each other. Uh, and again, that's A plus EdTech. I know after doing this episode that I'm probably going to spend part of my summer really trying to back up all of my files and really uh, secure myself as best I possibly can. And I hope you can do that too, and then come back next year and be able to teach those skills to your students. All the resources for this episode, along with news articles, can be found on aplusedtech.com. 
If you would like to leave any feedback, I'd greatly appreciate it. You can do that on my website or you can do that on iTunes or Podbean. 